Hey guys, LARP Dad here. Today we're going to be going over the third and last part of this Mordavia suggestions thread um, assessment slash response. Hopefully I'll cover it all. However long it takes for me to finish this is however long this uh, podcast is going to be. So bear with me on that one. I'm going to get right into the meat and potatoes. This first one says... Guidelines for items given out that needs to be approved by multiple staff members. One staff member telling players they can do something, then another one saying they can't. Basic HR rules for out-of-play punishments in case of any disturbances in-game. Ticket system somewhere for issues in and out of game. Anonymous or non-anon. Rules for what to do in case something isn't covered in rules. Okay, there's a lot of suggestions there, so we're going to kind of pick it down and break it apart. Guidelines for items given out that needs to be approved by multiple staff members. Yeah, that was a really big problem last book. Um, we had a lot of stuff written that was like God-level stuff written by not-gods of the game. And it was absolute bullshit. And I, I, I hated it then. I hate it now. I'm clearly not a fan of it. Something needs to happen. Um, there actually already is a system in place for that. So I think we just need to crack down on slapping those people around that do that stuff. <laughs> I don't know what else to say on that one. Um, yeah, agree. Needs to be there. Needs to be there. One staff member telling players they can do some some one. He wrote someone, but I'm guessing he means something. Then another one saying they can't. Yep. If they're following the rule book, it is plain, simple, and dry. And breaking from the rule book is the reason that's a problem. So as long as all of the staffers, owners, chroniclers, whatever title anyone has, is following the rule book, which they should already be doing, that should not be an issue. Uh, I get that they weren't. I get that there was a lot of issues last book, but I am with you that that shouldn't even be an issue. Next one. Basic HR rules for out-of-play punishments in case of in, any disturbances in-game. Those actually already exist, and we do have a ticket system going into the next one. Um, I think what happens a lot of times is either the ticket system isn't followed, again, that's a problem, or the players don't want to write a ticket on it, which actually does happen. I've actually had a couple instances where I tell a player, all right, cool, you don't like that, Like, come with me to the war room, we're going to write something up, and they're like, hey, it's not that big of a deal. I can't make it be a big deal for you. So if it's a big deal and I'm willing to help you then and there, you have to be like, all right, cool. Well, let's do something about this because I, I can't gauge how important it was to you and I can't make you file a report. I, I can strongly suggest it. I can write up that it happened anyway. But in the end, if you don't want to do anything about it, I can't make you do anything about it. But yes, the ticket system has to be a thing. And uh, there is a crew manual going into place right now. I know they're working on that to get HR rules for out-of-play punishments. But they, that, that system already does exist. Rules for what to do in case something isn't covered in the rules. Um, yeah, but everything to a degree should be covered in the rules. And the things that aren't should have a blanket statement, which I think you're getting to here. Which, yeah, okay. There does need to be rules for that because, yeah, it's going to happen. Cool one. That was a lot of really good info, so thanks for that. Next one. Armor doesn't seem balanced versus physical damage barring maneuvers. 
Something anyone can wear for free shouldn't be able to nearly completely negate an entire arm of combat and completely overshadow advantages that have to be bought with AP. I agree. I agree. Um, you should not be able to just get tip 50 toughness because you found some legendary material and effectively bar out anyone swinging through you. Pierce is very hard to get, and even when you do get it under the current rule set, you can't swing it infinitely. It costs a ton of maneuvers or a ton of spell points or a racial to do it. So, yeah, armor's busted right now. It needs to be fixed. I really don't think the solution is just giving people extra HP. I always thought that was stupid because armor isn't HP. Armor is a concrete thing that can either be broken through or it can't. So, I don't like the HP idea, but yes, I agree with you, person that posted this question, our suggestion. It needs to be reassessed. 100%. Agree. It needs to be reassessed. Next one. My opinion on combat, some maneuvers should be removed or replaced. There are some that were so niche they were almost useless, and some that you just wasted maneuver points on because every monster... Seems to be immune to it. My personal experience for the situation is Poison Strike. Every time I used it, it was met with a no effect. So I stopped using it and it became a wasted AP. Also, combat advantages geared towards offense. Why not replace the useless and unused maneuver with more defensive capabilities? I feel like there are a lot of um, defensive capabilities already in combat. Um, add in that you can wear armor and there the game has a lot of defensive options I, I shy of delving into magic which combat doesn't do you already have a lot of defensive options I think the biggest issue the way I'm reading it here which could be wrong is you had a lot of monsters no affecting your poison attacks and yeah um, I already actually covered in my monster making better monsters podcast how I feel about making monsters and giving them weaknesses so, yeah, I think I, I think I think you to a degree you're right. Some of this stuff should be reassessed and modified to a bit. But I think there are more defensive capabilities than what you're looking at. That's that's all I got on that one. Um, this next one's kind of long. It's actually very long. Let's see. I have a few ideas on the IA front to throw out. I don't mind IAs being the universal equivalent of SP. That said, I think it needs scaling either like SP has or its own version. Right now, a tier 5 tailor, for example, can crank out 2 to 3 basically legendary tier armors clothing in one IA set, given that they have the resources. That's just with the 6 IAs they have from Taylor. This feels good from the player side at first, I think, and I don't suggest necessarily taking that out completely, but I think lowering that reasonably doesn't take away that awesome feeling of having made a legendary artifact. In fact, I'd say it makes those even more unique. It would also allow staff to gauge better how items are affecting game balance without being as overloaded each game and having to nerf items that are already in play. I'm going to answer this half first, and then I'm going to go to his suggestion because it's coming right after. The problem that seems to be here is these items aren't utilizing the rule book, and that's a problem. So staff should never have to gauge the effect and balance of these items being in the game because they should already be balanced using the rule book that staff wrote. So 
if it's not balanced, uh, they shouldn't be having these debates. These debates should maybe be once in a while to do things that are in the rule book, but not necessarily directly under crafting. And that should be super situational things not happening every set of IAs for every player. So no, just I, I think they should be following the rule book a little more closely, which wasn't happening towards the end of this game. But again, we're learning, we're trying to fix this stuff. Let's go on to the suggestion from there. So my suggestion is to either treat it exactly as SP. Each universal pickup gives you an IA balanced by the fact that each IA is worth one tier of action. A tier 5 weapon costs minimum 5 IAs. Genius level usage adds an IA per level to that cost. Similarly, tier 3 costs 3, etc. So that, that works based on our system. If you don't understand what he's saying... Um, He's saying it would basically take five IAs to craft a five a tier five weapon or a tier five item um, or scout a tier five location or gather a tier five material. It should take all five of your IAs. That's what he's saying. He explains it further past that with this. This solution treats IAs less as time usage and more as a skill usage, and I think it could be balanced like that. I think the one IA to start with should be done away with in favor of everyone having an allotment of free actions per tier of the heroic soul. This would be sending letters and more general actions to interact with the influence of the world, and free actions would not be available with IAs, perhaps with the exception of nobles and guildmasters. Any advantage that requires IAs should also grant IAs. I'm looking at things like Technical Master and Psy Mage are should uh, should award their own resources to use towards the systems. I'm not sure how to handle that. Personally, it seems difficult to balance with IAs as universal characters shouldn't be any better at creating rituals and combat techniques and specialized fighters and mages. Uh, I don't, on my own, see what's wrong with the current IA system. I'm not going to say that this is a bad suggestion. It definitely isn't. Um... I just don't see the fallacies in the current IAs to merit to merit this massive change. Maybe someone else sees it that way. Again, this is just my opinions, but I don't. I don't think that that. No, your universal guys that have uh, fifty AP or let's say more of thirty AP in universals, they really can't do very much else at the game using the advantages that they spent money and character build on. So I don't want to say, oh, well, you are you can only do four things in your IAs because they're four legendary things. No, like by this world standards, they are a legendary, super resourceful, super efficient, super smart person in all ways, not combat and magic. So I, I think they should get that benefit. But again, I'm not saying this suggestion's bad. I think it's a good suggestion. I just don't personally like that. Next one. Not really a rule book thing, but... Okay, it's not really a rule book thing. Uh, uh, I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> this is straight up for the rule book. Crafting balances and simplification. Universal reworks in general, like Merchant, Guildmaster, slash Noble Adjustments, and our reworks. Um, okay, these are things we could definitely look at, but you didn't um, give any suggestions as to what you want 
worked out in them. So, okay. I could definitely, um, I could definitely look at that more, I guess. Um, Guildmaster, I think, does need to be fixed. I actually suggested a thing earlier in there. Um, I think that they need to explain what genius points do and how to better deal with them, too. So, yeah. Definitely need to re-look re at that stuff. Next one. Crafting needs to be smoothed out. The universal professional makes no sense. If I'm a tier 5 tinkerer, then why do I need tier 5 professional to make money at it? Professional should just be moved to an IA option that if you have at least a single rank in the universal, you gain access to. You could totally make money on being a tier 5 tinkerer without having any professional. I used to do it in play as a bard. I just hardly made any money because I had no idea how to market making money on it. That is what professional is. So I'm going to hard disagree with getting rid of professional. Professionals make money. It's the difference between Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. You don't have to like it, but being smart alone doesn't make you money. That's kind of the approach on professional. Professionals know how to turn whatever they're doing into profit, not a product. The product is profit. So I can understand not agreeing with that, but professional makes total sense and totally works out the way it is. You can totally choose to make less money by just being someone that makes these really excellent things but has no idea how to market them to the world. That's kind of my take on it. Sorry, that's kind of blunt, but professional makes a lot of sense to me. Next one was actually a post from one of the owners. Um, it didn't really have a suggestion. He was just more acknowledging that he is paying attention to this stuff. Great. Um, hope you pay attention to this podcast too because there's a lot of good data here, says the biased podcast writer. So next one. So within the mythology of the game, there are combined schools of magic. Solar magic, auto magic, support magic, and whatnot. But there are no rules or actual spells for it slash them. I know that alone is a major undertaking, but their mentioning in-game is something a character can learn. Can learn. Can we get these put down in writing? Mind you, players shouldn't get access to it info without their characters having access. If be willing to assist generating a rule set. Um, so here's the thing with that. To delve into creating magic or knowing how to use those schools of magic in a combination... You are already an arc master in both our grandmaster in both of those other schools. So you should be psi maging and creating your own spells, combining those magics. Because yes, it would be a massive undertaking to combine all these spell schools. And inevitably, even after that was done, all that would happen is the players would say, well, that's not what I particularly wanted for what I'm doing. And that I agree with those players saying, well, that's not what I want for what I'm doing because you're a grandmaster at two schools of magic. It should be what you want it to be at that point. So I think making a rule book directly gauging all the combinations you could possibly have between every school of magic, forbidden and unforbidden, is an undertaking that is inevitably a waste of time. That's kind of my take on that. Um, a grandmaster of two schools of magic has spent a comical amount of AP and time and in play is bordering being a demigod anyway. If they want to combine stuff, I'm not going to say these are the limits you have in those combinations. I'm going to say, what do you want to do? Do they follow the rule book and let's make it happen for you rather than just handing them a list of, uh, well, 
this is what you can do. Now, mind you, what I'm saying here would still adhere to what is being put in this rule book. I'm not saying get out of the rule book. I'm saying I'm not going to add 10 chapters of the rule. One, one, to be fair, one massive chapter to the rule book of combination magic that will inevitably just be scrutinized and changed into something that isn't in the rule book anyway. I hope that makes sense. Um, so I think it's a good idea. I just don't think it makes sense to go into it whenever the players at that level are going to want to do what they want to do anyway. Just follow inside the rule book. That's all I'm asking. Next one. As far as universals go, can we fix the toolkits? I can't understand why a T5 rogue can only use a T5 lockpick once. Yeah, I'm with you. Tools do need to be reassessed, and they are being reassessed. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It needs to be changed, and I think it is being changed. Next one. You might consider reducing all the makeup requirements. On the one hand, they add to immersion. On the other hand, it must be making staff's lives miserable on Sunday morning when we make up when the makeup is all over the bathroom sinks. I'm assuming someone has to clean that up. Okay, I am a very now this is biased opinion of LARP Dad. I am a very strong advocate against reducing makeup requirements. Don't play a race that requires makeup requirements if you a don't want to wear the makeup and b can't clean up after yourself like an adult. Because, yes, it is a mess, and someone does have to clean up. And if that person isn't you, you are a piece of shit for leaving that mess there. So, clean up your mess. Clean up your mess. I'm going to say it again. Clean up your mess. It is really fucking sad that we have to clean up your mess. We are, it's a LARP. I can understand, and I understand the sentiment of this person. I, on a personal level, really like this person, so please don't take it as me like being mean to them directly. I'm being mean to reducing immersion because adults are lazy. That's, that's my shtick. That's my thing. If you're lazy, pick a race that lets you be lazy. Don't say that the LARP needs to do less because you want to do less. How about you just do less? That's... That's the takeaway from there. Yes, it is totally a problem. Person that wrote this, it is a mess. And we do have to clean it up. And it is fucking sad that we have to clean up after adults. But we do. And I would much rather do that and complain about it than have every race look like a human that's wearing a different colored bandana on their head. Because that's, that's the route we're going to if we take off this, this uh, makeup requirement. Then we take off this makeup requirement. Like, no... I, I don't like this is what you see LARPs. Mordavia is not a this is what you see LARP. And if it becomes a this is what you see LARP, I'm probably out. So that's my two cents on that. Next one. Alchemy coding should not cost extra mana. Making something a coding means it has to contend with armor. Something that is completely bypassed with gases and potions to a much lesser extent. If a player has not also specced into combat, it is very likely to be nullified if the target has any armor at all. Yeah, I, I, I think I see what you're saying here. I could kind of see that. Um, alchemy, the thing that I'm at a question with with alchemy, coatings may not need to cost extra mana, but I still think an alchemist should have to apply the coatings. And I know everyone hearing that right now is saying, oh, no, that's bullshit. It's a liquid. I could just put it on whatever I want. Yes, 
but can you effectively do it to where the liquid is doing what it's supposed to do in the right areas and properly as it is? Anyone can drink what's in a bottle. I'm not going to debate that. Anyone can do that. But throwing a gas, nope, got to be an alchemist. Coating something so it effectively does what it's supposed to do on impact or on whatever happens, you should probably still be an alchemist. And beyond that, out of the immersion of it, letting every player do all this stuff with alchemy potions overpowers alchemy. And having an infinite amount of these stored, all the players can do these things with these alchemy potions gets really busted really quick. So there has to be some kind of balance there. I think allowing people only to drink them is a pretty good balance there. Again, just my uh, pennies in that. So, But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying to a degree. I just don't necessarily uh, think that anyone should be able to do it. It probably shouldn't cost another spell point though because you're just applying stuff. Or maybe that spell point is why only alchemists can do it. I don't know. We can figure it out. Good, 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 good brain. Good uh, brain exercise there. Next one. Also, in-game crafting would be nice. Done at check-in like normal, but without the need for kits. The kits are not needed. We are already paying in resources. Plus, it would let the crafters role-play crafting recipes. Maybe limit the crafting by the tier of the character or their tier in the universals. I'm with you on that one for the most part. Um... Yeah, I think you should be able to craft in-game. I do think you need a kit, though, and here's why. Your debate is we're already paying in resources. So in paying in metal, you have to use stuff that isn't metal when making a sword. Unless you are just using this block of metal and holding it by the tang, which I mean... I. I we're getting into a gray area because someone's going to be like, okay, cool, I'm going to make a sword with just a tang. No, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is the sword isn't just the blade. It isn't just the metal. It is the, it is the tools you use to craft the sword. It is the leather and the handle. It is the handle itself. It is all these different things. And a kit makes immersive sense to have into that. So I do think you need a kit. Um, but kits need a rework. I'm with you on that. But I do think your overlying main thing of crafting should be in play. Yes, should be in play. And I am pretty sure they're talking about bringing it back. So hold tight. It's going to be coming back in some degree for sure. So just bear with me on that one. Next one is an absolute wall. Come on, guys. Please start separating your phrases and stuff. This is, this is, a, this is a chore. Anyway, hear me out. What if every player got one free universal? Not all players will want to buy into universals. You have to buy into universal at character creation. So as this goes, I'm just going to pick it apart because it's like a wall. So I'm going to do that rather than have to go back and reanalyze all of this. You have to buy into universal whenever you start the game. So you do have a universal at character creation. You have an IA, so you got that. Um, you don't... Mm. Ugh. Let me restart that because I read that wrong. My bad, bro. Everyone gets a free universal. Not all players will want to buy into universals. At, at current time, we make you buy into universals. But honestly, the idea of a playable character who has virtually no way to navigate the world when it isn't a battle sequence doesn't make a lot of sense. Exactly. That's why we make you buy a universal. I know you could argue that people should choose to buy a universal then, but bro four points your argument isn't that 
you shouldn't have a universal. Your argument is that we start at level two. So that has nothing to do with universals. Um, that has a big issue with being level two at game on. Which I get. Because you don't want people to start out too broken. And yes, I understand how stacking universals could be used to break the game. But I feel like there'd be less of that if everyone had a baseline foot in the door for one universal. They already do. Like maybe I want to be a half-orc who was raised by a blacksmith, but I don't really want to ever heavily invest in it. But yeah, because I was raised by one, I can make a basic weapon or horseshoe or lock. Or I know the basics of building a house and working stone. Not because I'm like trying to make stone weapons, but because it's part of my backstory. All of your examples described a tier one universal user of whatever example you just gave. A tier one universal person makes a, oh yeah, I know how to do it, so I can. That's pretty much what tier one is. I don't think it's terribly unbalancing to allow everyone universal, everyone one universal as a reflection of character history. It would give, for example, players for whom the universal system is intimidating the ability to pick up profession one so they have a base way of making some copex between games. They could just pick up profession as their universal and that flavor that you're just you just mentioned, like, oh, well, I kind of make knives or I kind of build houses. Well, what is your profession? I'm a mortarer. I, I lay down bricks. I do something like that. And that would just be their definition for professional in the universal that they had to buy. That said, I think you'll have more new players who thought, I'm going to go full combat, who said fuck it and picked up scout or rogue or tinkerer than actually experience the in-game economy or quest options those unlock, thereby inherently experiencing the rich in-game world we're trying to portray. I can't make people buy into universals, and if they chose to go full combat, giving them a free universal will not make them level up that universal. So... I don't directly disagree. Well, actually, I kind of do disagree with your theory here, but I don't think it's a bad theory. I just don't think it's what I personally want for the game, and I think that um, saying they could get by into professional is totally the fix if they want to have some money in-game instead of giving them two universals for one AP instead of just giving them one. Next one. Um, actually, one I wrote. Eliminate combat prodigy and instead give half-orcs combat affinity in their choice of agility or might, not both for balance, at character creation. Logic. Stamina is the most finite IP ability currency in the game. Combatants need the additional single stamina point more than I think is being considered. Quick Learner is less affected this way because of spells granting two mana versus combat abilities granting one. So this is one I wrote, so obviously I'm, I feel strongly about it. Um, most players want combat prodigy back, uh, want combat prodigy gone. They want combat affinity. It needs to be balanced though, because combat affinity should not give you free might if you're going agility or free agility if you're going might. That's just overpowered. But yeah, uh, I think I've already explained why I believe it should be that way. I just I, I don't know anyone that's saying no combat prodigy is the way to go. Next one is another one that I... These are a couple that I wrote because players started telling me stuff and I, I got these suggestions from them. So, But I still like saying I wrote them just so you know why. Oh, well, he clearly sounds he's like he's in favor of that one. Yeah, I wrote it. Sorry. That's how it is. So by me, create an in-play way for fighters to regain stamina. Nothing crazy. Maybe an additional reset of just stamina. 
It can require purchasing an advantage similar to cardio or something of that nature. The logic behind that is mana is way more plentiful than stamina and has ways to be transferred and stored. Fighters need a mechanical equivalent to some degree to immerse their cardio or longevity, and training advantages help but are overall lackluster in comparison. Like, fighters are known, there, there are fighters that are known for being one punch, and there are fighters that are known for just, hey, I'm not going to hit you super hard, but I'm going to hit you forever. And cardio is a very big thing in fighting, a very big thing in combat. Second wind is a really big thing, and how long you can fight is a really big thing. So to say that you can't train and get that better is kind of silly to me. Um, they have training in there, but training on its own does not... Like, even training five is only really giving you back part of what you've spent into throwing a death strike. It's just... It's not balanced. There needs to be some way for fighters to regain stamina. Because throughout the day, they would regain stamina immersively. That's all I'm saying here. Next one is a long one. And it's going to get a lot of flack from y'all because it's not how the game currently works. But just hear me out through it because I wrote this one. Nerf casting higher tiered spells while in armor. Okay, here's why. Virtually every system or video game or LARP restricts mages in some way, mages in some way from wearing armor. You... <laughs> Because it makes balance sense. Armor interferes with your magical attunement is an easily immersive answer. Here's what I think they should do rather than just letting mages wear tier 5 armor, have 50 toughness, and be able to just do whatever. Because I'm throwing spells in a light contact game. Spells are already stronger than your combat, which is most of the complaints here about combat. So I'm just going to have all the toughness and all the spell utility. I don't think that's fair. I think that balance needs to happen. I don't think you shouldn't wear armor. As, um, as a caster, though, I think it should just be limited. And if you want to wear armor, you should have to buy some form of gray magic spell that requires you to have a stronger attunement to the world and to casting your magic. Um, I think you should be able to cast up to tier 3 with no real encumbrance. But uh, tier 4 and tier 5, where you're getting to like killing people and modifying their souls and placing contingencies on yourself to make you immortal and things like that. Yeah, that requires an attunement that you're just not going to have completely encasing yourself in a tin can. So that's kind of my logic behind that. You don't have to agree with it. But uh, 50 toughness on a person throwing bird seeds at you is annoying as hell and not balanced, in my opinion, when spellcasting is already strong, way stronger than combat. Mm, this next one looks like it was a comment to something. I'm going to try to read it out and see what they mean. Problem is that magic resists run out. Armor doesn't. If you can throw strikes... You can't meaningfully hurt someone in armor that costs zero AP to wear. That's why I want to reduce the massive amount of armor available for no cost other than comfort. Maybe add magic damage reduction that works like armor versus non-physical could be introduced, but every point of it reduces your armor points by one. Um, I think just reducing toughness as a whole will give you what you want there, and I'm with you in reducing toughness. I think like the highest rank... I'm just an example I'm throwing out from what I personally believe. I think the highest ranked armors should be like 30 
toughness, 25 toughness, something. And that's still, guys, for physical swings in the game, that's still really high. Like, I I know towards the end of the game, people were like, oh, well, I had this and I was swinging 50s or I was swinging whatever. Yeah, most of that stuff should have probably been assessed in the previous thing of having tags checked and power creep watched for. But um, 30 is a lot of toughness to just naturally have on an armor that right, like this person saying, costs zero AP to wear. So I think that should be cut. I think that should be dropped way before we just give armor hit points. Giving armor hit points is stupid. I really don't like that idea. <laughs> I don't like it. I know a lot of LARPs do it, and this is not me crapping on them. This is me saying armor is not part of your body. So, like, it just... If it gets pierced, you take it. If one part of your arm gets broken, like, I don't... I just... No, armor is its own thing. Don't make it be part of you. It is something that you wear. It is not you. Anyway. <laughs> um, next one is uh, the owner again. He was just giving some specs on what he is saying to... Uh... Yeah, this is the actual one I was talking about. He's giving some ideas that he didn't like in the current toughness system based on what he saw. He's talking about experimenting, going back to the armor point system, which is just HP. LARPworks, please don't do that. Please, 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 please. I'm going to play anyway, but I'm going to complain the whole time. Bob's Burgers, get it. Okay, but like, just don't do that. Please, make let armor be armor. Just reduce toughness. That's all that needs to happen. Okay, next one. Properly embrace the immersive aspect of Mardavia that sets it apart from this is what you see style LARPs. I wrote that one, and the reason I wrote that one is already covered in a lot of my answers here. I think one of the things that makes Mordavia so great is it's not a this is what you see LARP. And if they make it a this is what you see LARP, I'm probably going to stop playing. Only because that is not the niche that I'm looking for in my LARP. It's just not. Um, you need to be immersed. You need to dress the part. You need to act the part. And if you don't want to do those things, there are other LARPs that are a lot less strict on that stuff. And I think we should be just as strict, if not more strict, than how we are on it right now. That's the basic thing with that one. Um, the next two are answers from the owner, one of the owners. He's saying, currently you purchase into being a red demon through advantages, much like a wildkin embracing the curse. It could be interesting to have... Just devils be a racial variant of demons that is picked at character creation, much like other races. Okay, just don't reduce makeup. Like, let demons be demons. Devils could have a, a variant change. Just don't. Just don't. Allow for limited crafting in-game. During book one, there were issues with lots of crafters needing items written up at very opportune times. So crafting during reset, at least, would be an interesting to see. See? Told you guys he was already looking into doing this. It's going to be fine. My next one is one that is now redundant because I've covered it already. I wrote this one. Reduce the amount of toughness granted by armor. I've already explained it seven, several times. Um, current rules allow you to have armor with 67 toughness and no advantage points spent, spent to get that toughness. So, yeah, that's busted. It needs to be, it needs to be lowered. I've already covered that several times, so I'm not going to delve on it. Next one... I think there should be a generic mana blast ability that allows people to burn mana and throw magic. It could be a gray spell. I conjure five magic. Just a thought. 
I don't, I don't hate that idea. That's actually a pretty good one. You want to burn magic just to throw it at people and you have gray magic and you've bought into a school that doesn't really have an offensive spell to throw, but you want to burn a spell point at it? Yeah. Maybe not five because five is the number that comes from like another definitive school. Like you could throw a five holy, you could throw whatever, maybe change the number or maybe give it as like a tier two and instead of throwing fives, you throw tens or something like that. But yeah, that's a good idea. I like that one. Um, LARPworks, think about that one. That's a good idea. Next one. I think a paralyzed effect should be in binding magic. It feels kind of silly that they go from just binding feet to binding arms to I completely imprison you in the spirit realm. I feel like there should have been a step three there. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. The thing is, paralyzed isn't binding. So um, the other thing with that, I mean, I don't disagree. Something similar to paralyze, maybe like a plus 10 and then a plus 20. But binding mostly targets the user, not their opponents. So I see where they went with that one, but I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, it, it isn't necessarily something that they should say no to. Just maybe not paralyze. Just a binding that they could break with strength sounds more like binding. Next one. A reduction of one-shot your dead spells. This includes sleep spells as long as being asleep allows death blows. Instead of completely bypassing the entire hit point system, maybe change the one-hit spells to do big damage hits. This will make the differences in ratio HP actually matter. It will also make it so when the NPC comes out with actual death spells, it's a big deal. Um, death spells are based on individual characters, so... By asking there to not be them to not have death spells, throwing tin fire at me is effectively a death spell. So I, I don't completely see that going away because what you're asking for here requires a super um, wear a helmet, wrap everyone in bubble wrap approach to being dropped in one hit in the game. Uh, an eight twenty five drain drops lots of people throughout the entirety of the game and that so is that a death spell like i don't know i i i just don't i don't, I don't agree with this one i i, I think that there, i think that there should be less just death 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 arcane death arcane death innate pierce death yeah there should definitely be less of those definitely but um if you got slept and you didn't have your buddies near you you got killed if you got poisoned and you didn't have your buddies near you you got killed if you have six hit points and you took ten damage and your buddies went near you and you didn't have a way out of it, you got killed. There's way too many death spells by the standard of what a death spell is in this suggestion to say I have to nerf and get rid of all of them. No. Sorry. Next one. It should require a strike instant death blow to kill a sleeping person without them being able to fight back. Death blow one should wake them up. This has always felt kind of obvious to me. It depends on immersively how you are death blowing them. Because saying death blow one doesn't mean I have a blade on you. It means I am sizing you up for the attack that will kill you. So calling my death blow count is just me doing whatever it takes to assure you're going to die. It doesn't necessarily mean I am sawing your head off. That's how I'm kind of taking it in this one. So um, that can maybe be looked at. And strike instant death blow will for sure kill them because that is the advantage of not having to make the count. You already know when you're assessing and instantly killing them. But 
the death blow count is not necessarily you sawing their head off. It is you assuring you're going to get the kill, and that doesn't always involve touching them. That's just kind of the devil's advocate to that side. Next one is one we covered a lot, but I'm going to cover it again because it's a really big deal. I wrote it. Request, late game monsters need to be a bit more creative than Deathy McDeath face. Yes, everyone is complaining about it. Please listen. Please be more effective at doing this. Stop sending out monsters that just throw death. Everyone's tired of it. I've covered it several times now. No one wants you to do it. It's not good writing. It's not good play. No one likes it. There. Just please stop. Please. Just There are so many ways to kill the players that aren't just arcane death, arcane death, arcane death, arcane death now. I hate you. Like, just be more creative than that. Y'all are so much more creative than that. Next one. Take the rule on being able to ouch death for 100 hit points. Move it to an AP. Either in tier 4 might or tier 5 fundamental combat, I think. Don't make it cost stamina on top of 100 HP, though. Keep it for the tanks player-wise and have it be more special than just having the HP to take it. No, I disagree. Because if you have 100 hit points, you are special. <laughs> like, not very many people. I know that people are going to say, oh, so many people had 100 hit points. Dude, not a lot of people had 100 hit points. Not without some kind of magic that gave them 50 hit points from white magic or some other means. 100 hit points is a lot of hit points. I'm not going to make you spend an advantage in addition to having 100 hit points just to out your death. 100 hit points is not natural, dude. It's just not. Sorry, we kind of disagree on that one. Next one. We need a gadget list and crafting for tinkerers to make. You could open this up to suggestions from the community. Okay. Yeah, that could be something that like they can make these gadgets. I kind of like the idea of letting tinkerers come up with their own gadgets, but giving them a base point of these are the things we kind of consider gadgets rather than just shooting down something super complex or making them feel inadequate. Giving them a list would, would be a good idea. Good suggestion. Consider that one. Next one. Whew. 41 minutes. We've been a minute. But I said I would finish this one. Sorry, it's long. We are dealing with it. Consider adding something along the lines of Geb's saving grace to elf racials that would turn a thralled vamp back to their original race. There is an ascension to get out of the curse of Bendis, but nothing to help players who will forcibly change into vampires. That one goes directly into the next one, which I wrote, so I'm just going to answer them both at the same time. And the one I wrote is completely eliminate permanent forced servitude from the rules. Make it willing only. And here's why. And these are my opinion and the opinion of pretty much everyone that I've talked to so far that isn't completely up vampire races ass. And here's it. No one wants to go play this game, spend money, spend resources, and then be surprised, force transformed forever into something they didn't want with no way of fixing it. And forced servitude is just that. As it currently stands, you have no way of fixing it. You have no way of reversing it. You are fucked at the game that you're playing and paying money for. 
And without a way of fixing that, honestly, if a player comes to me and says, hey, I want to fix this thrall and there's no way of fixing it and they can't and they don't come back to the game based on that, I don't have any way of saving that. I don't have any way of saying, yeah, you should have done this. The game shouldn't have forced servitude given to unwilling people. If you want to play your I'm an elf and I love a vampire and he's going to thrall me and we're going to live in the woods and have vampire babies or whatever you want to do, that's fine because you were willing. But forced servitude changes everything in the game to ruin someone else's game experience. Either that or make servitude a persistent transfer, a persistent or permanent transformation that can be removed by a cleanse there has to be some way to take it off if it stays forced that's all um forced transformations are bullshit i mean forced servitude is bullshit and y'all know it is you know it is it 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 is a great way as a business to lose customers and it is a great way as a player to lose friends because that is the stuff people bleed over (laughs) the reality it really is not having a way out of it in your game needs to be addressed. There. On to that one. I am very emotional about that one because I have seen it ruin people's games. And it, it, it hurts for me to see that. It hurts for me to see to tell them, sorry, there's no way out of it. There needs to be a way out of it. Either that or just acknowledge that vampires are the gods of this game and fuck everyone else. That's, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Whew. Got a little emotional there. Next one. This one I wrote. State what is visible and invisible to players so metagaming can be properly penalized and immersion rewarded. The reason I'm saying this is we have so many instances. Like, let's say, and the example I give here is I shake your hand. Whenever you shake my hand, I deliver an innate dominate. Is that visible to the players? Because I have to say innate dominate. But that doesn't mean everyone around us saw that I dominated that person. So they shouldn't all start immediately rolling me because all they physically saw was me shaking someone's hand. Unless the rule book says they saw me dominate them. They saw some kind of magical thing take place whenever I shook their hand. It has to be specified. It has to be. Because you don't see that. Immersively, you might see it. You might not. It needs to be in the rules book. That's, that's all I'm saying there. Now, it's just an example. There are a lot of indicators. When, I, when you throw an innate ability, if you delivered it by touch or you did it in some way the players don't see, they, yeah, out of play heard you say it. But what are the in-play means that they have to know that you did it? That's the whole debate there. Next question. Another armor one. Only three classes of armor. Cloth, pseudo-armor. One point per tier. Anyone can wear it for free. Art costs one in AP from the fundamentals tree. Maybe replace combat proficiency. Real leather armor. Two points per tier. Real metal armor. Three points per tier. This is a suggestion. They don't want a four point or a five point. They just want armor dropped. That's... Not a bad suggestion. Not necessarily how I'd personally go about it, but that's not a bad suggestion. Next two are the last two. If you're still with me, you are Iron Manning this shit. Good job, because we're almost at 50 minutes. But we're almost done. I promise. Next one's from me. 
Edit consecrate and vampire ratios to consecrate immediately resurrects a dissipating, bleeding, or incapacitated vampire. The reason behind that is everyone has been using consecrate wrong via the way it is worded in the rule book. The rule book actually has this very strange interaction loop. And you really shouldn't be able to consecrate a vampire because consecrate can only target things that vampires can't be. So it just needs to be changed. It's just a wording thing. It's going to be changed. I already trolled staff about it. It's, it's fine. I just wrote it here because I want to make sure it got done. And the last one. Permanently adding ma massive pierce or innate as an ability can be broken. I.e. massive strike 2 or accurate strike 2 or a pierce weapon. It can be broken, but I don't inherently see the issue with it. Swinging infinite massives takes a very long time to get to. Swinging infinite pierces, uh, as it stands right now, can only be done with like a weapon that has an impossible amount of crafting slots on it. So that's really rare too, by definition of the rulebook. is isn't even in the rulebook. I might be wrong on that one, but I don't think it is. Uh, in infinite innates, same thing. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. I could see how it's it's really strong because it is really strong, but I don't I don't have a problem with that. They they went through crazy means and spent tons of AP to be able to do those things. The only one that might get out of hand is the Pierce thing, but with armor being so busted right now, unless they fix armor, the Pierce thing doesn't even really bother me that much. Uh, but like I said, even that weapon I could be wrong was likely created using some means that isn't even in the rulebook. So there. Um, thank you guys very much for contributing to this, all of you that did. Thank you all for listening. This has been very fun, very insightful, and made me feel super important if you heard me out through all of it. So um, next thing I'm actually going on to might be today is I'm going to be having my first guest podcast members. Um, we're going to be talking with the owners of Nether about their stuff. That's going to be the next thing I drop. And then I'm also going to be dropping, because it seems to be an issue everywhere, the next not-guest topic is going to be coping with an imperfect rulebook, because none of y'all rulebooks are perfect. There. Uh, hope you guys found this entertaining and enjoyable, and LARP on!